if you don't know what an escape room is, it's when white people spend a lot of money <laughs> to get kidnapped and held hostage in a room. <laughs> and then they gotta find clues to get out. White people, do you watch the news? This is the hilarious Eric Rivera. Eric is no rookie. He's been performing in front of crowds for more than a decade. He shot onto the scene after his splashy appearance on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. He's best known for his half-hour HBO comedy special, Super White, a performance that reflects his life as a half-Guatemalan and Puerto Rican man, a father of two, and a husband to a white woman. My name is Christopher Rivas, and this is Brown Enough, stories between black and white. Here we go. We start with a little rapid fire. Okay. You ready? Let's go. Favorite film with a Latino lead? Desperado. I don't want to kill you. I just want you to take me to him. Understand what I'm saying? Best joke you've heard from another comic? Best joke I've heard from another comic? That's tough, man, because it changes. Like every time a new special comes out, like I listen to something, I go, "Oh, that was that was pretty good." Uh, what's what's standing out right now? I think for me, one of my favorite specials is Chappelle's first special, "Killing Them Softly." Oh my gosh! It's so uh, incredible. The baby on the corner. That's, that's always so good. one of my favorite. Yeah. Hey, baby, <laughs> what you doing? I'm selling weed. Like that's one of my favorites. I look out the window. It was a fucking baby standing on the corner. Favorite TV show on right now? Favorite TV show? Uh, Abbott Elementary. The staff here is incredible. They're all amazing teachers. I really look up to them all. Please, well, I look up to the older ones. A uh, recent album or song that you love? Recent album or song that I love. Are uh, you a music guy? I am know? a music yeah. guy. Uh, recent album. What am I listening to? Uh, Bad Bunny's album is pretty dope. Begin to end. And it's so funny because my wife, she's she's Caucasian. She rocks out to it and she has no idea what he's saying. I'm like, oh, is she I saying don't... the words or is she just feeling she, it? She gets some words because yeah, like yeah. It's, he goes so fast. You know, Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. He goes so fast. Yeah. So like she, like she likes uh, Titi Me Pregunto. Hey, Titi Me Pregunto Si Tengo Mucha Novia. Yeah. And she's like, oh, pregunto, uh, uh, pregunto, VIP. Like, she knows those little, the, the, the keywords. Everybody say cheese. Yeah, she knows Selfie. those things. Yeah. Say cheese. Uh, can you introduce yourself for people who don't know? How you doing? I'm comedian Eric Rivera, and I'm here with uh, my man Chris Rivas. What made you want to become a comic? Man, you know, I had I think I'd always known I wanted to do some kind of performance. I was about like 12 when I first saw it, like was almost first one-man show, Mambo Mouth. And it was like one of those things where like our families would get together for boxing matches and comedy specials, and that was the first time I saw somebody of my background, somebody that I could relate to. Don't get me wrong, a lot of the jokes went over my head because I was so young and I was like, I don't know what he's saying right there. But I just remember him being so charismatic and so just entertaining and my family just glued to the television watching this dude. 
And uh, at that point, like, I had the bug. I wanted to perform. So, you know, I started doing, like, in elementary school, I did some school plays. And then middle school, I did a school play. And then high school, I tried out for theater. And uh, they, they, man, they reject me quick. Oh, no. Uh, yeah. So, because I didn't. You I didn't have it. You didn't I didn't have, have a, I didn't have a theater background. <laughs> so, I didn't know what theater was. I just saw, like, these flyers. I was like, oh, prepare a monologue. And I was like, oh, I know. I know a monologue. Because at that point. What would you do? Do you uh, know? Uh, yeah. I, do I know? So at that point, I was religiously, when I say religious, like every day I was watching John Leguizamo's Freak, right? And it was on VHS tape. We had, we had illegally taped it and I had the little scotch tape on it so you couldn't record over it. And I was watching this thing every day. So I was like, oh, I know a monologue, right? So I go and, uh, you know, the other kids, they, you know, they, like, they're doing Virginia Woolf and uh, Tennessee Williams and Shakespeare. And I just get up there. I'm like, uh, John Leguizamo's freak. Here we go. And it's the scene where he talks about uh, masturbating for the first time. <laughs> and, like, I'm in it, dude. Like, I am. On, like, the, on, the, on the toothbrush. On the toothbrush. Yeah, I know I'm, I'm on stage and I'm, like, going in. Like, the kids are laughing. The the theater director, this this old white guy, like I knew he did not like it because he was getting pinker and pinker and redder and redder as I kept going. I don't know why he let me go that long too. Like I was like, ah, bah, ping, 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 ping. Like I'm doing the whole thing, dude. And he's like, all right, cut. And he's like, uh, uh, we we don't have anything for your type of character in this upcoming play, but we will be in touch. And I was like, oh yeah, sure. At that point, I was like, wait, this dude doesn't have my email. You don't he got my hit phone you with number. the we'll be in touch. Yeah, we'll be in touch. I would see him and he would just divert his gaze in the hallways. Like, I'd be like, hey. And that was that was the end of my high school theater uh, <laughs> career. Uh, where where are you in the world in this? Where is this? Uh, this was in New Rochelle, New Rochelle, New York, uh, New Rochelle High School. Um, and then, yeah, and so comedy didn't come till I hit college. Like, I, you know, went to college with communications degree. Because I didn't know what I was going to do, but I didn't, you know, I didn't want those careers that my mom had thrown at me, the doctor, lawyer thing. I was like, I'm good. And then I joined this student organization, uh, you know, and uh, I started working on, like, the special events. And one of my favorite special events was the comedy shows. And then once I started getting involved with that uh, with that group, like, I started helping put together the comedy shows. And the cool thing about it is, like, because I went to school, I went to Pace University in New York City. You could go to all the comedy clubs, and there's like ten clubs in the city. So I was going to the clubs all the time, and they would give you free tickets because they wanted the comedians to get booked and make college money. So I was going to shows every night, and I was watching dudes who were like coming up, like Kevin Hart was coming up. Like I used to watch him host shows. Whoa, at yeah. comedy clubs in New York, Comic Strip Live. Cool. I I got to see Mitch Hedberg, and Patrice O'Neill, wow. Greg Giraldo, like these dudes who at that point were were now they're heavy Mitch hitters Hedberg. and legends. Yeah, dude. Wow. So I got to see them before they were who they are today. And it was like, I was hooked. I was like, oh my God, I want to try this. And then, you know, the comics were all very supportive. And like, yeah, just go to an open mic and try it. Like, this, it's the one career where it's like, you got to jump in the pool and you better start swimming. You didn't take a class? No, no, I didn't take a class. You just, it's, I, they gave me a book. It's called The Comedy Bible by Judy Carter. I, I get no money off of it if you go buy it. But uh, it shows you the joke structure. It's like, hey, this is how you do premise punchline. So you still believe in this book? Yeah, I still do. Like anytime anybody comes up to me after shows and like, I want to start doing comedy, get this book. Because the book, all it does is it's going to teach you how to write a joke. It, you know, it's it, this, is your, this is your story, this is your premise, this is your punchline. It's just a very simple like this setup, premise, punchline. Like this, this, that's the basics to joke writing. Now, are you funny? That's on you. Like, that, like I said, <laughs> you got to jump in the pool and you better start swimming because that's, that's all comedy is. 
Uh, you joke a lot about your parents and their 30-year marriage. Yes. My father is a big part of my mm. work. What is it about your parents that are so sort of crucial to your storytelling? I think, you know, your parents are always your example for anything. You know, whether they're a good example or bad yeah, example. Yeah, for better or worse. Yeah, they, yeah whether they're a good example or bad example, they, they, they're sort of what your first and only, like, um, example for anything. Like, for, for relationships, for marriage, for parenting. Like, that's who you saw. So whether it's good or bad, they're helping shape you. Like, I, you know, I, I always joke around that the reason I'm such an involved father with my kids. I got two boys, six and ten. The reason I'm such an involved father was because my father was so uninvolved. The reason I try to be open emotionally to them. And, you know, even that's been a struggle because my father was my example for for me. And that dude, I think, you know, I have a joke in my mind. I think he told me he loved me like one time. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I overly do it to my kids to the point where they're like, all right, dad, we get it. You, you love, love us. me. <laughs> yeah, but, like, that's that's your that's your first example. Like, so, you know, even, even in this career that we do, like, you know, entertainment, like, you know, that's not a, a viable career choice when it comes to immigrant parents. But we've seen how hard our parents bust their asses, and we know that there's more out there. We want to strive and do better. So they are our example, no matter, again, better or worse, that's our example. So we we try to build off of that. I think uh, something about you saying, like, all right, Dad, we get it, you know, like, yeah. you love me. There was a time in my life where my parents, it's so crazy to even say out loud, my parents' love for me could feel, like, overwhelming. Right. I could be like, you know, and I'm an adult, and I'm just like, God, why do I got to talk to my mom so much? <laughs> like, <laughs> she always want to talk. Like, yeah. And I remember I was I was dating someone who did not have a close relationship with their parents. Right. And she just stopped me and she was like, I wish my mom right. called, you know, like yeah, I yeah. wish my mom cared about what I was doing and just sort of our, our storytelling about our parents and our right. relationships. And, you know, you can, you can turn something like, uh, I think this is what comedy can do really well. And, and, and maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm romanticizing it, but I'm like, you can turn something like my dad not saying I love you to me, not only into something funny, but into medicine. So many of your jokes are around your life at home, with your kids, right. with your wife. Right. What's that conversation? Do they do they know? Do they agree? Do you have to run it by them? Do you workshop stuff together? I'll tell you, in the beginning, my wife was like, I need to hear what you're going to say about me. Right? Because uh, I think her fear was always like, are you, you going to badmouth me up there? Like, what are you, you going to slander me up there? And I think her and I have this, you know, sort of understanding. And she gets what my act is I'm, I'm you know i'm very self-deprecating i'm very like if you look at the dynamic of our marriage and in the, in terms of like comedy i'm the dumb one i'm never putting it on her like oh can you believe this this ball and chain like it's never that it's always something that happens where i go oh that's funny like you know i, I this is an old joke that I, and it's not on any special but me and her got into this fight over a misunderstanding. Like I was, I was trying to, uh, I think I had this like when I want to get a new iPad and she was like, we don't have money for an iPad right now. Like, like we, we have to save money. We were at this point we were like talking about buying a house and our future and this was pre kids and stuff. 
And I remember she came home one day and her job was giving her, uh, the, you know, the, like the continued education. And she was like, uh, I'm thinking about uh, the GMAT. Like it's a, it's, a, it's a test to get uh, more schooling, but I'm dumb. I, I thought it was like a Google iPad. She's like, I'm thinking about the GMAT. Like, what do you think? And I was like, oh, hell no. Like, oh, you're going to get the GMAT, but I can't get the new iPad. And she's hysterically laughing at me. I was like, I don't see what's funny right now. You're just going to go get a new GMAT, but I can't. And I thought you wanted to save for a house. Yeah, I thought we were saving money. And she was like, you're, do you know what a GMAT is? Like, no. But I was like, I, you know when you get so mad and you're just like, I'm st- I'm standing my ground. How dare you talk to me like this? And then when she told me what I was like, okay, all right, all right. I'm just, but we're saving money, right? We're not, okay. No one's getting iPads? All right, cool. So that's usually the 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 you know the, the the root of my of my act. It's always like just some misunderstanding and just me and her and our dynamic, you know. So it's never like you know. I at the end, I, I love her. I I wouldn't have married her if I didn't love her, you know. So I'm not gonna go badmouth her or talk badly about her on stage or or paint her in a bad light. Because then, as an audience member, you're watching this going like, then why the hell did you marry her? Like if you're gonna complain about her so much, what the hell are you doing? And don't get me wrong, like some comics, that's what they do on stage, like, oh, my wife. It's, But that's, you know, I, I, I truly care about my wife. I adore her. So, And she's not paying me to say this. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. So when I talk about her on stage or she's talk She's in about, the studio right yeah, now. She's no, in she's... the studio. Yeah, she's watching right now. Uh, no, so when I talk about her, it's, you know, this is the dynamic. Like, I, I, I'm trying to relate to the audience more of a, we've all had this fight. Oh, we've all been in this situation. So... You know, like my job is same thing with my kids. I'm not trying to embarrass them or or shame them. This is just part of parenting. This is part of marriage. This is part of relationships. You know, not you know, and 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 that dynamic is what people relate to. Like my kid, <laughs> he's he's ten now. He just recently found out that I talk about them on stage. Yeah, that's my yeah. What's how does that go down? It was so funny. So I I was doing a show, and he comes with me sometimes to shows. You know, he's older and ten. He's ten. Yeah. Um, I was I was doing shows with uh, Angela Johnson, and she's a, she's a clean comic, so I don't mind taking him with me to that. I'm like, you know, he can watch the show, and I don't have to worry about him learning anything and getting in the car like, so dead real quick. Uh, <laughs> what's third base? And I'm like, okay, hold on. What did you hear? What's a Stanley Steamer, Dad? Yeah, <laughs> Dad, real quick, teabagging. What is that? <laughs> so I never have to worry. Like, I, I, you know, I pick and choose what shows I take him to. And he was there. He was hanging out. Um, and... I just remember as we're walking back to the car, you know, I was like, oh, do you like the ice cream? Do you like that? He's like, yeah. Um, can I ask you something? And I was like, yeah. He's like, so, so you just, you just, you just talk about us. And I was like, what? <laughs> He's like, I heard, I heard what you said. You, you were talking about me. And I was like, yeah, but like I, you know, if something funny happens, I take the story and I, you know, I exaggerate it and I try to get people to laugh at it and people understand what's happening because some people can relate to it. And he was like, okay. I was like, do you, do you like when I talk about you? Do you not like when I talk about you? And he was just like, he shrugs it off like as a kid does. Like, I don't know. And I was like, all right, well, let me know. And he's like, okay. And that was it. <laughs> I was just like, but it was the first time it clicked to him. Like, oh, you just, you just talking about us up there. That's what you're doing. Has it come up again? No, he hasn't brought it up. He hasn't been to a show recently, so... I think maybe on the next one he might have notes. I don't know. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, Eric is going to tell us all about the importance of creating an ecosystem that supports others.
and we are back with the hilarious comedian Eric Rivera. As an artist who uses my my life to make my art, to write about my experiences, what is the relationship for a comic between actually being present and like seeing everything as material? I th- I think it's a fine line, man. Like you know, we you have to be present to sort of absorb what's happening because. Uh, you can look at stuff. There's some comics that are, are writers. I, so I'm breaking it up into groups. Like I think in comics, there's, there's writers. These are guys who can just churn out jokes. And they're super funny. Like Dave Attell, uh, Mike Vecchione, um, Stephen Wright. Those are joke writers. They are funny. And they, they can take a topic. You'll be like, oh, pff, global warming. And they'll, by the end of the day, have 20 jokes for you. Then there's performers. There's people that have to actually go through the process and take you through the process of what's happening. And those those comics walk a fine line because you have to be present because I have to take you through an experience where I need you to feel the same things I was feeling in that moment. So it, it, it's more than just writing a joke. So I, like, you know, in my last special, I, I, I do a joke about, uh, and this is a joke my son heard was, you know, he got in trouble at school because he... He he was playing around and he and he touched his kid's privates. Right, it wasn't anything sexual. He was just he just poked the kid and that was it. But then the other dad gets upset about it. So I have to take you through this whole process of what the lead up to that conversation was. And as uh, as a performer and 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 being present, I have to take you also through the the uncomfortableness that I'm dealing with. Like first time, like the teacher calls me in and like, hey, we need to talk. And I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> Why did why don't you call his mom? Because I don't I don't want to I don't know what this is, but I don't want to be here. And then her explaining like he touched the kids' privates, and it's like oh, oh man, like like what what did he do? Did he did he like you know? And, <laughs> and her going like no, what are you doing? And I'm like I don't know. Like you just brought me in here. I don't I don't know what this is. And then you know th- that lead up. So for for me, I have to be present so that I can take you through those emotions. That's what like really good comics do when they're telling when they're storytellers. You know, uh, a great guy that I, I think is is amazing is uh, Gary Goldman. Like, he's got a special on HBO where he talks about his depression. And he takes you through those feelings. Like, that's 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 his job, like, to take you through those feelings, like, so that you can feel what he's going through. You know, I could write a joke about it, you know, about my kid touching kids' privates and boom, 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 and we're done. And you don't get those feelings and I don't take you on that roller coaster. Your wife being white is a recurring theme in their stand-up. Yeah. Uh, it was a theme in my life at one point. Right. I I wrote a whole New York Times piece about it. I, I got a scene in a show right. about dating white women. Uh, it has been a part of my life of examining why that was. Right. Did, for you, was the joke... Like when did when did when you like this is a joke or when were you like ah, did it make you feel ever uncomfortable or yeah how does it get to this this stage? It's so funny because like when I first met my wife, it was never a thing of like oh she's white this is why I'm I'm dating her or this is why I'm attracted to her. You know I think the the younger generations you're just like ah oh, whatever like people are just people you fall in love with who you fall in love with like she just did things you know and she had experiences and just we vibed and I was like oh this is who I want to spend my time with and then once you start getting around the families and bringing her around your family that's when you start realizing like 
oh, there's some funny stuff here because they're not used to these things. Like, you know, if I'm going to be honest, like my, you know, my, my family always, you know, they, they're as much as they're like, oh, no, we're not, you know, we're not discriminatory. But like <laughs> my mom wanted me to marry, you know, a Latina, who, a Pentecostal Christian Latina who went to church. And then so when I, you know, come home with something different, it was always like, uh, mijo, she's not, mijo, she's not good enough for you. Mijo, don't, please. You know, it's like you're going to fall in love with who you fall in love with. And then you start seeing these cultural differences between both families. Like, you know, when I visited my in-laws the first time, you know, I, I tell a version of the story. But the, the real story is like, so we're at the house. Uh, they, they live in Maryland, not in Baltimore, D.C. They live like Western Maryland. And her mom just lights up like, oh, my God. I, I bought this thing. I need to show you. I need to show you this thing. Like, I bought this thing, and you are the person that's going to appreciate. I'm so nervous right now. I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, she's like, you are going to appreciate this more than anything. And I see my wife and her and her brother, and they're like, Mom, do not. Do not get. Don't. don't. Like, they're like, please don't. And she runs and comes back out. It's a, it's a, it's a serving dish. It's about yay big. It's a sombrero. <laughs> glass sombrero and you put chips on the on the rim of the sombrero right and it boom and then there's a button you press in the oh, Mexican no. hat dance and it opens up and that's where you put the guac and the dips and she is like when like like almost to the point of like when you see this thing we're gonna be best friends <laughs> and you know at, look you can you can be offended and go what the F or just realize that this is the first time they've been exposed to a Latino ever, maybe. Like, this is the first time they've actually, and we've uh, we've had those conversations like, oh, no, no, you can't. No, that's that's not okay. You can't do you, that. You had the conversation with the parent. Not that day. That day, I'm, as a comic, I was excited. I was like, oh, this is, this is great. It's called. And, and my wife was like, please don't, don't be mean. I was like, I'm never going to be mean. Like, I'm never going to be mean, but... Throughout our relationship, I've been able to have those moments of going, hey, this is why this doesn't work. And it's, you know, you realize it's not uh, it's not a mean thing. It's there. There's just a lack of awareness of what it is. Like when we first got married, like we had a rehearsal dinner and she was. She brought the hat. No, no, she didn't bring the hat. <laughs> but, you know, to that point, she was like, oh, you know what we should do for the rehearsal dinner for Eric's family? We can hire a, a mariachi band. <laughs> And we can have like a taco truck. And it was a teaching moment of going, okay, thank you, but we're not Mexican. My, my mother's Guatemalan. My father's Puerto Rican. So the mariachi band, that's Mexican. They're, it's going to fall on deaf ears. Like we're not going to know. We'll appreciate it because it'll be Spanish music, but it's not really going to hit the way you think it's going to hit. And she, and it's one of the, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't I didn't realize. I know. Taco truck is great, but Puerto Ricans, we don't, we don't really eat tacos. We're going to enjoy them. Don't get me wrong. I moved to L.A. I love tacos. We don't eat. We don't make tacos. Guatemalans, they kind of here and there dabble in tacos, but not really. That's not the, their main thing. So, again, that we will appreciate that there'll be Spanish food there, but we're not really going to. It's not going to hit the way you think it's going to hit. So, it's those teaching moments of being able to go, look, this is why things are different, you know? So you've been in the game a long time. Yeah. 
What has been the evolution? Uh, for example, I look at, you know, you talked about that Chappelle killing him softly. Right. I think, and I could be completely wrong about this, I think a younger Chappelle was the joke guy. Yeah. And I think he has evolved to this sort of long storytelling. Long story, thought process. Long story, thought thought process. Yes. Like, um, really take you somewhere. Right. Uh, versus like, boom, joke, right. joke, joke. What is your evolution i know in your work you you touch on race and class and what don't you touch on what do you want to touch on what haven't you touched on i so you know i i i feel like i've i've evolved like if you watch like my first special that's on youtube it's called i'm no expert uh go check it out um you know i I, i'm very much a joke guy and just trying to be funny i think that's like when you first start comedy that's all you want to do i just i need to be funny you know, I talk about dating and stuff, and, and none of it is really, I don't want to say it's not real, because it is. Re- it was real for me at that moment, at that time, that time frame. Uh, but now it's like I'm really, you know, not with all the race stuff and the, the culture stuff, like I'm trying to say something, you know, because I'm at, I'm at an age now where you always like, what's my legacy? Like, what am I leaving behind to my kids? Like, what when they look back at the body work, they're going to go, oh, that was dad. This is what he was doing. So... For me, it's like I, I'm really trying to share my life with people and and share those experiences and trying to, you know, point out like, hey, look, we're we're different, but we're at the same time we're we're all we're we're the same, like, and we're all fighting these same battles. Like, I think that's one of my favorite things when I get off stage, you know, whether you're Greek or Italian or French or you know whatever, they're going, oh my, my mom is just like that. Like, yeah, she is. All moms are a little, you know, overwhelming and they can be a little crazy. And, oh, my dad does that. Yes, they do. Because I feel like with 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 Latinos, sometimes it's so hard to understand us because, you know, even watching us on TV and stuff like we don't have enough representation. So people have these weird stereotypes in their head and don't really get us. So what I'm trying to do is just, you know, hey, we're all look at us. <laughs> we this is this is the spectrum of us. Like we're we're not all cholos and and gangbangers. We're not all this or whatever weird thing you have in your head. We're not all you know. We don't all have the bad accent. We're like some of us are trying to fit in just like you. We're all uncomfortable trying to fit in and make this world work. What is what's itching at you to also say maybe if you can if you can share it if you're like. Yeah, so right now, like I, you know, I, I've I've taken a little hiatus off of stand up and and, and because? social media, just because I, you know, I with the boys at their age and you know just everything going on, like doing stuff around the house, working on the house, and just uh, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with some stuff with my mother and her health, and it just just a lot happening right now. I I figured I, I just want to take a, a break, just because you know mentally there's a lot going on for me. And, you know, I need to deal with all of that before I can be on stage and be, you know, like we were talking about before, fully present and fully connected to the audience. You know, so I've taken a little hiatus. But as things are happening, like these are things I'm, you know, taking notes on. Like, all right, we're going to talk about that once I'm ready. You know, like I, you know, I did a I did a special on HBO Entrenos, and in it, like I talk about my father's Parkinson's. He passed away. And it's one of those things where you have to go through it first before you can finally talk about it. So right now I'm going through stuff and in time, hopefully I can develop that. And again, like I'm trying to say something like with the Parkinson stuff, it was I'm going through this and I I can keep this to myself or I could share this. And it was one of those moments where 
I can't tell you how many messages I got from people like, oh my God, thank you for talking about that. I got people that got angry. Like, how dare you talk about it? And then would come back. I'm sorry I was angry because I'm going through it right now, but I appreciate you shining a light on this because, you know, these are things, you know, you don't necessarily see in stand-up. You know, we don't want to think about our parents getting older. We don't want to think about our parents getting sick. We don't want to think about us now becoming adults and taking care of that stuff. Like, you know, we you look at the stand-up we people love and, and on TikTok and stuff, it's always, like, funny, like, dating. And like, I'm trying to now evolve into, all right, this is what happens. This is how we take care of it. And this is how we move forward. You're percolating. Percolating. You know, like a good coffee. Okay. It's, it's got a it's got a brew until the yeah. until the heat is right and then exactly. the water comes through and you got a nice nice cup of coffee. Exactly. Uh I'm sorry about your pops. Oh, appreciate uh, it, man. And your mom and all the things. George Lopez got into trouble recently. You probably know about this. Yeah. Uh I don't think it did much for him. I don't know about trouble. No. Uh but you know, he was saying uh is a comic's responsibility to chart their own path. Yeah. Did you, and not open doors, did you chart your own path? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Man, you trying to get me in trouble, Chris. Chris, you trying to get me in trouble. I'm going to say this. I believe that other communities have done an amazing job of helping each other out. The... You know, and it, it doesn't have to be racial, but, like, if you look at Joe Rogan, right? Whatever you think about his politics, whatever. He has created an ecosystem where he has helped out comics to get specials and create and chart open doors and chart careers. That's just kind of, he is. Tom Segura yeah. was one of his guys. Tom Segura is one of the biggest touring comics now. Uh, Burt Kreischer, he put him on. He told the story of the machine. Now there's a movie coming out called The Machine. Burt Kreischer sells out wherever he goes. Any of those guys that have been on his podcast have blown up and become something because he has sort of created this ecosystem. Black community, same thing. They've opened doors for you. Def Jam was a uh, was a movement that opened doors for those comics, and those comics then turned opened the doors and brought in other comics. You know, uh, Eddie Murphy brought in Chris Rock. Chris Rock opened doors for people, you know, he's had on his staff. He had the Chris Rock show. He had staff of all comics, Wanda Sykes, all these people that he opened doors for. Uh, Kevin Hart does, all, you know, shows where he does specials on Comedy Central, Heart of the City, where he brings up young, up-and-coming comics and shines a light on them. You know, he's got uh, the Plastic Cup Boys who have special on Netflix. Those are his guys that he's opened the doors for in his movies. Gary Owens, like, he puts comics on when he can. George feels differently. That's all I'm going to say. So that's the way he wants to do it. That's the way he's going to do it, but... You know, I think if you if you go on social media now and you read some of his posts and look at the comments, I think the 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 audience has spoken that they are not down with the way he's handling things. Is there a brown uh, comic or person that is has created that ecosystem to open doors the way you just described? I don't think there has been yet. I don't think there's been anyone. Just I think the industry has sort of. Uh, still doesn't know how to deal with us or or work with us. Because there's some comics, we got some comics that are huge, and you look at them and you're like, well, why doesn't this dude have a show? Why doesn't this dude have the opportunities that other comics have, you know? 
Like you, you look at, you know, Family Feud and Steve Harvey's show. Like Steve Harvey's one of the biggest comics out there, right? So on the flip side, you look at the, the Latino community, right? We got Gabriel Iglesias worldwide, known everywhere. Why isn't he hosting a show? Why doesn't he have uh, some kind of game show? Why doesn't he have, you know, why isn't he in like a ton of movies, you know, the way Kevin Hart is or, you know, uh, Mike Epps or any of these guys are? Why? That's, you know, that's always the, 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 the question. So for him to build, he, how can he build an ecosystem if the industry is shutting him out? If they're shutting him out, why are they going to open the doors for younger comics who are coming up? You know, I, it's just a, it's such an odd thing, especially with comedians. Like the industry knows the, the top two. They know George and Gabe. Like, I, I can't tell you how many meetings I go into. Like, oh, are you like George? And like, nope. Are you like Gabe? Like, no, I'm, I'm Eric Rivera. I, I, and, I, and I always jokingly say that. I was like, I bet you a million dollars. If I'd asked uh, somebody in the industry and in one of these networks to name 10 other comics, 10 other Latino comics, they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anyone you would like to put on blast in a good way that you're like, it can be a comic, non-comic, anyone who you're like, damn, this, this person is doing great work. This is. Yeah. As comedians, like I know you were like, you know, you can't name 10. Like, look, I, Orlando Labor, very funny dude. Dominican, he's been on The Tonight Show numerous times. Ian Laura, another Dominican, he's been on The Tonight Show numerous times. Got a special uh, on on uh, HBO Max right now. Dominicans are funny, Max. huh? Hilarious. <laughs> uh, Marcel Arguello, uh, I believe she is Salvadorian. She's got a special on HBO Max. Go check her out. Ida Rodriguez, Puerto Rican, Dominican. Super funny. You know, she's very political. She 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 breaks down... You know how, as a society, we're we're lacking. She's amazing. Uh, there's so many comics out there that people should know and should follow and should you know be spotlighting and and looking out for. You know, again, there's not just George and Gabe. There's a bunch of a bunch of us out there. So keep supporting live comedy and keep going after these people. Anything you want people to look up for you or check out or. Uh, yeah, just social media. You know, whenever I have projects or anything I'm working on, I I always promote. Uh, and like I, I, I tell people all the time, and I, I say this at shows, the best way you can support local artists, we're not asking for money. Just go to social media. If you like what you see, like it, comment, say something nice. We like we like nice things. We like nice comments. Don't you feel good when somebody's like, hey, hair looks good today. It's like, oh, thank you. That's, that's, that's it for us, for artists. Like, go, go on Chris's page. Hey, love the book. It's going to make him feel good. Won't that make you feel good? It makes him feel good. And share it. How much does a share cost? Nothing. Just, hey, I read this today. I saw this today. Thought I'd share it. That helps us as artists spread the word, but it also makes us feel good. Because I can't tell you how many negative comments are out there. That doesn't feel good. It's dude's trash. And you're like, all right, I didn't need this today. But uh, hey, this made me laugh. Just wanted to share it. Thank you so much. Cost you nothing. Didn't cost you any money. It helps out artists. I love that. Uh, any, any questions for me? Am I brown enough? Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, you're also the first person to ask that. You made it. Yep. I made it. If, cool. you, if you make it in the room and you and you get through the whole interview, you've uh, I, I give you a stamp at the end. It says um, I'm brown enough. Yeah, it's a sticker. I'll give you extra for your kids, too. There you go. Uh, yeah, you're brown enough. Remember, y'all, if you like something, say something. Hit the like button and the share button and, you know, leave a comment.
And if you want to follow more of Eric's work, make sure to check him out on social media at Eric Rivera Comedy. He's easy to find. Peace. Brown Enough is a production of Stitcher Studios. It's created and hosted by me, Christopher Rivas, and I'm also an executive producer. Our team includes producer Manolo Morales, technical director Casey Holford, production assistant Gabriela Gladney, and executive producer Camille Stanley. Original music by Casey Holford. Special thanks to Abby Aguilar. Workhouse Media is a contributing producer to this podcast. Carlos E. Hernandez of Ikigai Management is also an executive producer of Brown Enough. Don't forget to subscribe or follow Brown Enough so you never miss an episode. Thanks. Peace and love. Peace and love.